Hello Darkness podcast. I am your host, Esther Edelkoff. In this week's episode, I interview Ricky, Drew, and Mishnina. Ricky is on a mission to bring body consciousness back to herself and others. As a lifelong stutterer and scoliosis survivor, Ricky felt disconnected and alienated from her body. Through yoga, dance, and other embodied practices, she discovered ways to radically reclaim her body and to honor its unique way of feeling and moving. Ricky received her 200-hour Yoga Alliance teaching certification through Abaya Yoga, as well as her certification in trauma-informed yoga from exhale to inhale. Additionally, she is trained in the Journey Dance Method. She shares her love of the body and its wisdom with her students by facilitating unique experiences to suit their needs, body dynamics, and goals. This week's episode is so raw, deep, vulnerable, and Ricky shares so much wisdom about overcoming shame and healing through the body. Without any further ado, I present this week's interview. Hello. Hello, hello. Welcome. Welcome back for the third time. Woohoo. <laughs> um, I'm sitting here with Ricky. And before we start, I just want to thank you again for your patience <laughs> on this learning journey. This is the third time she's shown up to record. She is a champ. We had some technical difficulties, and she is as patient and kind as she is deep and insightful. Mm-hmm. And it's a real treat, I have to tell you, to have you here. Again. <laughs> again. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, I'm here. I'm feeling really good. We just did like a few seconds of breathing. And mm-hmm. on each exhale, I felt like more release, more comfortable, just yeah. like settling in. It's so important. I'm so glad we did that. Yeah, I feel better about that too. Just letting that go. Like, yes, we did it a couple times, but this is where we need to actually record and it'll be fine. I don't know if you're the type of person that believes in like things being meant to be, if you have that like Hashkacha practice or like cosmic trust in the universe type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm very much on that trip and there's something about here and now. Yeah. We're in it and we're doing it. So yeah, let's get started. I'm that too. Yeah, thank you. Um, before we jump in, I just want to ask you to tell me a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself. Who are you? Where are you coming from? What are you doing? <laughs> just the basic bio. Okay, um, so I currently teach yoga um, to help people connect to their bodies. Um, and also a PSA, I'm, I'm a person who stutters, so that will most likely come out. Um, and I think I have a pretty uh, long journey of how I got to teaching yoga and how I got to um, really learn about my body and about the body. Um, yeah, and that's why I'm here, honestly, to share that and to say yes to more of these opportunities. Yeah, so I want to ask you, what drew you to yoga in the first place? How do you 
start that journey of like mind body integration um so can i go way 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 back absolutely <laughs> okay so because it always just begins way back it's beginning um, the beginning yeah so um i think there were like two parts of me that have always been at dis-ease um and i, I actually Willie only um, realized a couple of months ago that these two parts of me were actually physical parts of me, um, although they had deeper meanings and, and, um, and showed up in other ways, but they were both like two very physical parts of me. Um, so the first one is my stutter. Um, you know, ever since I was around three, four, I had a stutter. And that's been quite the journey to grapple with, you know, who am I if I can't share what I want to share or, you know, who am I if no one's in the room and I could talk perfectly fine and, and yet if someone walks in, all of a sudden I can't talk anymore. Um, it must be such a mind trip. Yeah, it, it's really, it's so, it's amazing because like nothing physically would change. It's just someone walking in or out. And that you know wouldn't make all of the difference for me. Um, and then really, like it was such a deep part of you know me and my identity. And I I honestly felt that like I wasn't able to show up fully as myself. And as a result, I wasn't able to really learn about myself in that deep sense because of this um, daughter and. Ever since I was a kid, like that was my one prayer to God, was take away this stutter, just cure me, take it away, fix me, I'll do anything, I'll be anything. Um, and over the course of many, many years, um, I've had people tell me things about my stutter, and um, one thing that really stood out to me was someone, um, um, close to me um, at one point um, told me that they noticed that when I um, when I'm when I'm in certain situations that are like very dependent on you know healing or whatever it is um, I won't sit or like you know like when I'm so absorbed in like my own pain or my own um, in, in my own asking for God to heal me that and then when I, I get back into my normal regular self I start stuttering again um, and they said like you know maybe it's because your soul is so sensitive and maybe if you just like were a better person and did more things then you know more good things then your um, daughter would go away or not be there. Ouch. I'm yeah. literally wincing in pain right now. Yeah. Ouch. And like as a young girl hearing that, I just took that to like the deepest part of my heart. Oh my and goodness. I was like, that's the answer. Like I've tried everything. So that's, you know, the answer to really become perfect. Perfect my, you know, making sure I only say good things and, you know, um, holy things and to just be as perfect as I can be because then God will have no other choice but oh to take goodness. away my stutter. Yeah. So There's I would... There's like a deep implication of shame on 
two levels, I think. First of all, shame, assuming that because you stutter, there's something wrong with you, mm -hmm. as opposed to like, it's a neurological diversity. Right. <laughs> and second thing that it's kind of your fault. Yeah. That there's something wrong with you and it's your fault and you have to fix it. And, and I'm in con and I'm in control of it, which is already so, so much to hold. That's just like a lethal dosage of shame right there, I would say. Yeah, but I think it's also interesting because I, I could also like now come to see parts of it as like small kernels of truth. I do feel I have a very sensitive soul and body and like I am a sensitive person, I know that. And I do think that how I show up maybe in certain times will maybe affect how I show up in my um, debtor. But to put it as like, as long as I'm perfect, then I have a, a better chance of not having a debtor was so damaging yeah. to like, you know, here. Well, it makes sense that like certain factors would change certain outcomes. Right. Like that's how it is with anything. Right. Like, certain things exacerbate certain things. Like that's a pretty neutral way to look at it. Like, oh, what tends to trigger it? What tends mm -hmm. to not trigger it? In like a very neutral way can be a really important examination. Yeah. But to say like, this is one way to fix it. It's the only way to fix it. And it's your fault if it's not changing. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, like triggers happen. It's okay. Like, let's explore how to with like withstand these triggers or if they're unavoidable, like how can you be okay with yourself even if you are triggered, which is something everyone deals with. Yeah. And I think funny enough, like maybe that would have been you know, um more um helpful if it was said in a different way, like what um, what you, um, you're saying now, but only after I got to the point where I could accept it in the first place, because any of that wouldn't have been able to impact me if I if I couldn't first just hold my stutter. Yeah, and I think that was like what I really needed at that time um, to accept it. Yeah, to it's accept okay. it, and I think part of like you know I guess that also inter um, to to unwind at that time like about like my voice and using my voice and actually speaking up and sharing. And that was always hard for me. I always had that, you know, pull, like, should I, should I not? Should I change my words? You know, as a person who stutters, like it's very easy to get covert and change our words at, at the last second to, in order to um, trick our, our, um, our b b brain. Um, so but it's all sorts of like tricks and coping little hacks that don't address it head on. I think it's like that with everything. I think yeah. once you realize like, oh, this is an issue for me, either like you can run towards it, embrace it, be like, this is what it is. Or we can say, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. I don't like that I'm dealing with this. I'm going to try to get around it. Yeah. But what's funny is that getting around it, you lose your essence. Like if like once, I mean, there's all these, you know, like, uh, 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 amazing jokes about s s s dinner. I don't bring about how like you get so caught up in 
and and I'm trying to change your words so much that you end up saying something so random and not what you were trying to say originally, and you're like, how did I end up here? But it's like I'm avoiding my stutter, so you end up not even saying you know what you want to say, and that's so. By it's avoiding so, your darkness, you're avoiding your authenticity. Yeah. In other words. Yeah, and so that's been just a very long journey in getting there, and that kind of merged with my back and body journey as well. Um, since I was, I think, around 9, 10, 11, um, when my um, mother saw that my um, back um, looked a bit off, she um, she brought me to a back doctor, and he saw that I had scoliosis, um, and they were monitoring, I'm turbing it, and I wore a back um, brace for a year and a half, and that that and that didn't do anything. And eventually, it got up to a a 45 degree, degree angle. So they just um just decided it was time for for a back surgery to fix my spine. Um, and at the time, I was like 12. And that was really big to hear that I would need such a surgery. Yeah. And the day of my surgery, they did another x-ray and it was at a 65 degree curve, which really jumped. Um, and it's working, right? <laughs> and, um, and I was in a lot of pain, you know, following up those like couple days. So, but before going into the surgery, my, one of my back doctors told me very casually, male, um, that I wouldn't be able to wear any open back um, shirts after my surgery because my, my scar would be really apparent. And at the time, hurts, I laughed. I've heard this before, but like, it hurts again. Every time. <laughs> yeah. It's like so much shame where you're in desperate need of compassion. Yeah. Like, hey, this is probably scary. What are you concerned about? Right. How can I be here for you? Not, these are my concerns. This is my values, and I'm going to project them onto you. Yeah, and just again being at such a young age, like really absorbing that. Um, even though at the time I just like laughed it off, like I didn't think that you know that would ever be an issue, but it really seeped like into my bones. And so another message: this is something to hide, avoid, right? Not Don't show. be seen. Cover it up. You know, be ashamed of it. Um, yeah, and I think just building on that, I had other moments and other times of you know, other people commenting on my body or my back and how it would jut out or my cigar um, and just kind of intuitively, without like consciously making that choice, I intuitively hid my back and my cigar. I would, I mean, I, I, I always had a long um, hair for that reason. This is actually the first time in my life that, 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 that I cut my hair short because I was ready to just not hide my back in cigar anymore and that's great thank you but it was a very big deal for yeah. me because i've really you know held on to that letting go of the like thousands of tiny ways in which we've learned to shrink ourselves yeah. make ourselves and small and not let ourselves be seen yeah 
So that was just one of the ways and, you know, wearing baggy shirts and baggy skirts and just always trying to hide, just not, not, yeah. And, and I was very thin and, you know, you could see my, you know, deformed back. It was, it was very obvious, but I didn't really realize at the time. And I think a part of that was because I wasn't so in touch with my own body, but I held on to a lot of shame around that. And, and it was just something there. And um, it's reminding me of, the, of when I got my, uh, when I had my back surgery and I had my parents take photos of, of the entire experience for me so I could make a cigarette book out of it. Um, and um, I remember finding the photo of my freshly raw opened up back with my new red cigar, that long cigar, and just looking at it with like a sense of pride. And again, I didn't know that word at that time in my body, but I felt it. I was just like, like I'm a warrior. Yeah, like I just felt my chest open up like, mm. wow. And then someone close to me was also there and saw that photo and they told me you know it's in your back you like really shouldn't put it in in your cigarette wrap book it's not modest like you know what if someone sees it and and then i and then i cowered and then it wasn't pride anymore yeah and then i threw out that photo and at the time the like that story was i'm throwing out my back I'm throwing out my body. I'm throwing out myself, and I know that sounds so dramatic. It's not the body but, keeps score, but like, the body does keep the score, and and it really impacted me to have to do that. It seems like your instinct was so spot on. Like, fuck yeah! Like mm-hmm. that is me. I did that. That is like a testimony to what I've been through. And then like, oh, that's not something you should show to people yeah because what if they see it and i was like what if yeah what if they see it what now? if they see it like that's, what if you're seen right what if i couldn't be seen and i honestly wish i had that photo because i have no photo of my back at that time like really raw i saw as you were saying it in your body you were like broadening your shoulder it seems like your body has that memory it does i i really feel it like i really do it's just like coming up as i share it um something that i was thinking as you were talking just like as you were learning to talk it was like a roadblock right there like oh i'm different Mm -hmm. i'm in pain i can't express myself i can't i can't communicate yeah. As you were growing into your body as like a young woman, mm. it was like, oh, I have to hide. I'm just like, so, I'm actually like feeling just so much compassion for like little you. Yeah. Just like trying to make your way in the world, like doing the normal milestone and everyone like freaking out or like, say you're not doing it right or this is wrong or we have to fix this like being met with we have to fix this so often yeah like it comes from a place of care and compassion but it's such a shaming message yeah and i felt that no one could understand me like no one could really get what i was going through i ruined in like both of these areas and they were both 
like they're they're both such an integral part of being human and alive. Like our voice as humans is so powerful and so important. And that's how we communicate, and that's how we share our you know deepest innermost selves. And I always had a lot to share, and I didn't because I felt that I couldn't. And our bodies are also such powerful beings. And if we're always you know coward and in fear and shame, like that really inhibits us. And I think part of my healing also was finding people that got me and that could see me as I as I am. And um, that I think the first like moment I had was when um, I got married, and um, and my ex he found this NSA conference and it was at the National Ring Association conference and we went and it was the first time I was in the, in the midst of like a thousand people that also had a stutter. Some were severe, some less, but it was just like, you know, it felt like I was talking to myself and seeing everyone just like, you know, mirror me back and it was so powerful to be in that um base and and even though like nothing else you know happened i guess like externally because it was all just so like much we went again the following year and that was also just like whoa and then the third year i got divorced um and i was really worried about coming back alone and like everyone's you know seeing me as a divorced um person and and you know and that also like um, that also brought up a lot as like, who am I just mm-hmm. on, on my own as a, as a, you know, divorced person. It was just a lot of like shame and not feeling yet very comfortable in this new, like, I guess, label or this new, you know, s- s- um, base. I want to pause for a second because I just want to point out how much I love when you talk about challenge that you've been through, you don't say like, I'm a stutterer. You say a person who stutters. You don't say I was divorced. You say I was a a person who got divorced. And I think that language is so powerful. Mm -hmm. It's so important to not define ourselves by our struggles. Like I'm not an anxious person. I'm a person with anxiety. You are a whole person and you struggle. And that's like the way it is. We're all like that. Yeah. I want to get back to this NSA thing because I think it's so powerful to be surrounded by people who are struggling with the same struggle as you. Yeah. But to also create some space from your struggle, you're not defined mm-hmm. by it. You are a whole person. Yeah, that's really like it taken time to to find that, you know, that language and to really like sit in it. Like I I am a a person and I have all these other, you know, parts to me and not like they aren't me. Yeah, you're a soul having a human experience. Yeah. That's what I truly believe. And with the human experience comes struggle. To be alive is to be in pain. Yeah. To go Buddhist about it. But mm-hmm. we're whole people. And I think even if we're not there always, like mentally or spiritually, to be there linguistically, to create that neural pathway. Yeah. We process things through language, and our language is so important. It is. So important, yes. <laughs> yeah, I've seen. I'll I'll share something about that a bit um, later because it also like you know ties in really well. But um, just like coming back um, this a third time all alone, I felt I was also like 
stripped down alone. Like all the parts of me that I thought were me are not like me anymore. And I really came in really broken open, yeah. like really like shattered. The um, breakdown is the moment that yeah. we break through. Yeah, and I was in a very vulnerable uh, um, base. I was just so tender, so tender and so raw. Mm. Um, and yeah, yeah, I was, and I was like young. I wasn't even like 30, 40. How old like, were you? When I got divorced, I think I was 23. How was that for you? If you, I don't know if it's a space that you. No, don't I could own. share. Um, yeah. It was. It was, um, it was everything. It was honestly like my life now. I always say like, like me again after I got divorced. Like everything happened to me after I got divorced, or everything, or I, you know, happened to everything. Like it really, like that was for me like my opening moment of just, of just everything. Um, like, yeah, like when I, when I was even like, you know thinking about um, getting divorced and this back and forth and trying to like like comprehend like I can't live and be a divorced person like at that moment I was I was I felt like I'd rather die and I voiced it that and I said like I, I would rather die than be divorced like that's just like the worst what did it mean to you at that time so I don't even know what it meant to me I just know what it meant to others like at, like from what I've you know you know, hurt. Like, like at that oh, time, divorce woman. was such a yeah. dirty word. It was just like, you obviously failed. You're obviously not such a oh. good person. You obviously had issues. You ob like, there was so much, yeah, like voices around this. Shame. Yeah. And I, and I, and I was really, I was just like, I can't do it. Like, I can't do it. But honestly, deciding to get divorced, like, was my first time, like, choosing choosing anything, but really choosing it for me and knowing that like everyone would probably rather I sit um, a day or not everyone, but just like knowing that like this is the uncomfortable, yeah. you know, des um, decision and that it's a, it's going to be very awkward and uncomfortable for me. And I'm going to, you know, have to really do a lot of work around this, but deciding like just having that power of choice for the first time, I feel like really opened me up to like all my other choices that I made after that. Um, and then like deciding to take off my wig was also like such a big deal. It was like, I, like this is not what's, you know, done in our community and, you know, talking to rabbis, everyone's ah, and finally speaking to my rabbi and his words are just everything. Um, I'll just say them. I asked, you know, him about taking off my wig, and he knew that I was planning on 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 going to South Africa right after, um, and right after my civil divorce. And he said, you know, go to South Africa, take off your wig, and see how that feels. And when you come back, he said, check in with yourself. And you'll know Whole what to do. Chills. Yes. <laughs> and check in with yourself and you'll know what to do. And just hearing that from a rabbi and from a male, like nonetheless, was just like huge for That's me. a corrective emotional experience. Yes. Trust your gut. And just at that time was like, wait, check in. Like I can think for myself. I can make my own choices. And then with yourself, 
who who is myself? Who am I? Like who is is this me that has a well of wisdom within me and like I can tap into it and like who is this person? So to leave on that note was just like, whoa, I have a lot to explore. That must have been such a journey, not just like a trip. Yeah, it was. To go on that, to go to South Africa right after your divorce. Yeah. How was that journey for you? Well, it was really validating to you know hear these words as I, as I went, you know? Um, well, it's like giving you a sense of autonomy. Yeah. A sense of control, like, you're the expert on yourself. You know what's best for you. Yeah, and like at the time, I really felt that I was just like, if I would be wearing my, you know, wig, it would, it would be like this wig of emotional, like, trauma just sitting on me baggage. all day, every day. Like, yeah. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. That's well, not also, a way to move it's on. It's beholden to something that you are trying to move on. Probably. Right. You're like, I'm not there anymore. Right. So why this am I keeps me still there. in it? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And and the freedom and the feeling of and I really mean this of like the world touching my hair and my hair being touched by the world being seen and being seen was just was just like everything that I needed like that was like the real healing to have just like my hair which is such a like deep part of our, of you know ourselves to be just like felt in in the air and and just have that experience of just yeah, being seen fully like as I am, and I think actually that was that was the first time um, we were in South Africa. That was the first time that I shared around the Shabbos the table of a bunch of like random people that I didn't know at all. Um, that I have a stutter and and that I'm divorced, and it was like so incredibly vulnerable and scary for me at the time. But I just felt that I had to share that and it was like so nice. What did it mean to, to share? I felt I felt in my power. I felt like I felt like I'm owning this and that like once I said it, I don't have anything to be you know a a a about and and to um hide. It was just all there. And people yeah. like got to you know, know me in a deeper way. Like those were just, you know, Without like doorways. Thousand to, walls. Yeah. Not like, I don't want you to actually see me because I'm ashamed and I'm afraid I'm unworthy of love yeah. if you know this about me. And I feel like, you know, taking off my wig kind of like took off my mask, it, you know, my entire body, voice, heart mask. It was just like, okay, I'm here. I'm here now. I'm showing up as I yeah, am. Yeah, as I am. And then this real yeah. moment for me was when, um, when we were there during a really bad drought and and my f f f friend and I were at her grandmother's house and we were eating um, the, sh um, the um, sh Shabbos meal Friday night and, and it starts pouring rain, like pouring. And we all jump up and run outside onto her porch and I just remember standing there looking at the full moon and it was glowing wow. and it was pouring, pouring rain and blessing and just like letting like the rain kind of like it, it, it felt like it was like relieving like all of this everything and I felt like I was crying with the rain like crying for like everything that I lost and everything that 
I like you know like it didn't need it anymore but felt good to hold on to or yeah. safe and it just and this like like rhythm of the rain and the glow of the moon just I don't know how it like you know how to even say it but my body just started moving and rhythming and dancing and and I just let my body go and my mind was like not a part of of this at all and my body so like was, it was just like a transcendent experience it was it was just like it was it was it was like joy and bliss and sadness and 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 like power and mourning and grief it was everything and I felt like I felt whole I felt like I was just holding all the parts of myself mm-hmm. and like dancing with all of them and and then th- like th- th- through all of them and I just kept going and going and moving and moving and I was just like in this ecstatic like place of just aliveness I was alive and then I eventually finished and these powerful words um, were said to me by my friend's grandmother and she casually asked me um, she raised like a a professional ballerina and she asked me at the time she asked me how long have you been dancing for where have you been taking um, classes and she wanted um, to you know to know all about my dancing background because she loved my rhythm and grace and this and that and I was just looking at her like what are you talking about I've never danced in my life but but her words were so powerful to me and they really hit like they really hit home and it made me really think about what I just did and how there was something there in my body and something that my body just knew intuitively how to do and how to express. I want to unpack that a little bit because I think like to hold our sadness and our happiness, our mourning for the past and our hope for the future is the dance of being human Mm -hmm. it is a dance to hold both you're being torn in two directions and you're stepping one way to the other way and back and forth and it's chaotic but also rhythmic and beautiful and that image of you just like dancing in the moonlight holding both is so beautiful like it's bringing like tears to my eyes (laughs) yeah i think for so long i pushed those feelings away those like I didn't really think they had a place in, the, in my world or in my body um, but but really like getting to divorce like forced me to experience like shame and anger and grief and I re- remember being s- separated for a month and all day and all night I would just cry like I just cried and cried and cried and I've never had that before but to just be in that and like not rationalize it away and not fix it away and just yeah. be in like my deep sadness and mourning. I think there were tears for many years. Yeah. Being cried during yeah. that time. Yeah, it was like like now 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 I was allowed. Now I had permission to, and I really think like you like I couldn't have experienced deep joy without really really marinating in my sadness and in my grief and. I'd always come back to this quote from Jonathan Safran Foer, you can't protect yourself from sadness without protecting yourself from happiness. We cannot selectively numb. If we numb Mm -hmm. our sadness, we're numbing our 
authenticity. We're mm-hmm. numbing our capacity for connection, yeah. to be seen, to experience joy. Yeah. And that's when I realized, like, if I want to really show up fully to any relationship, to the world, to any person, to any project, I have to be able to experience the full range of who I am. And that also includes my body and its sensations and getting 100%. to know my body and know myself and know the physical, you know? Yeah. And every relationship we have is just a mirror for our relationship with ourselves. Mm-hmm. If we can sit with our own sadness, yeah. we could sit with someone else's sadness. Right, we're not. If we could sit with our own shame without being ashamed and be like, mm-hmm. this hurts, this makes me feel weird. We could sit with someone else's shame. Yeah. And if we can tap into like our own body and like treat it like our body is kind of like a child that we carry around with us mm-hmm. our whole life, I see. Like we need to put it to sleep. We need to feed it. We need to say like, hey, you're exhausted. Let's let's have a little time out. Yeah, we need to mother ourselves yeah. and father ourselves. Both parts of ourselves need that. And yeah, I feel like during that time period, I really like got comfortable being uncomfortable. Like it was really that time to just just get comfortable telling people I'm I'm into divorce and that I have a sit daughter and like that really, you know, like. Cemented that for me. Like, it's okay to be uncomfortable and show up as that. We can only heal as much as we're willing to be uncomfortable because mm-hmm. healing is messy. It's not ugly. on a timeline. <laughs> it's ugly crying. It's yeah. uncomfortable. It's wildly uncomfortable yeah. to sit in our pain and our shame. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, taking all that, I went um, home and I started researching trying to find more about, you know, dancing and people with um, vinyl foot fusions as myself. And I chanced upon this actress who um, was on set and she was wearing a bikini and she had the same cigar as me. And my instinctual reaction was cringe. And I look at her, I'm like, She's showing her scar. She's Don't showing you know? her back. Don't, Don't you know? know? This Don't is not okay. Hide, 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 hide. Find a shirt. Put it on fast. Yeah. And I was like, like really hurting for her. I was like really uncomfortable. It and seems I, like so deep in your body. Yeah. And I noticed myself just like ringing and contracting. And right away, I like, I noticed that. And I was like, whoa, like what's going on here? Why am I having such a visceral, intense reaction of like really uncomfortable about her back and her scar. And that was when the first memory of my male back doctor telling me to hide my back. And then all the other memories around my back and my scar. And I just started noticing it. Like, and I tried to again, like look at my back and like, and just feel my back like you know when I was feeling that and I noticed how I didn't like it I didn't like to feel it I didn't like to and I just noticed that and I noticed how I wanted to change that I wanted to you know look at it with more um, softness and I kept researching and finding other people and I found this this Victoria's Secret runway model 
who had the same surgery as me with the same long red back cigar and seeing her just like just like was the biggest mind fuck of all like how like how is what it possible it, it was like you could be beautiful and have a back scar and have an uneven back it can be both right it's and like you can other. be proud of it and you can show it off and it was just so much it was so much for my mind at that time to even fully comprehend you know what i'm thinking of there's this person on instagram i'm forgetting their name but the first time i saw this like my mind was blown they have like a lot of stretch marks and they paint glitter glitter i love those people i know i'm like i could so like i think that would be such a powerful way to reclaim yeah so funny that you say that yeah. <laughs> um yeah so seeing that i was just like my body just like lit up i was like Wow, and I was like feeling pride for the first time around my body and my back. Um, and fast forward to just like maybe six months ago, I decided like I was ready to reclaim my back and have pictures of my back to take it out of the garbage. And I I got a nude photo shoot done and it I am was. hardcore fangirling <laughs> on you right now. I love that so much. That's amazing. It was so hard for me to get there. I really I went it was back really and uncomfortable. Forth. Yeah, it was really uncomfortable. It was so uncomfortable. That is so badass. I love that. <laughs> but was ama- what was amazing is that these photos are unedited at all. Like they are raw of just me. And I had her take a lot of, more photos of just my back. And there's this photo of me like dancing with my hair and arms like up and and my back. And it's such a beautiful picture of me. And I have it framed on my wall in my bedroom and it's huge. And it's kind of just like reclaiming my back and my scar. I love that so much. And funny enough, when I got these photos, I couldn't look at them. I was cringing. It was so uncomfortable and so hard for me. And Imagine t- it was like exposure therapy. Yeah, it was. Exposing yourself to your shame. Yeah. Like noticing all the feelings that came up, doing a little bit more. Yeah. And then putting up that photo on my wall, I just remember like crying and being uncomfortable and like not looking at it. But now I see it every every morning when I wake up and every night and it's always there. and. I can look at myself now. Like, I don't cringe. I don't have that same cringe. Oh my gosh. And I love that. Like, that's a step for me. That was a really big step for me of like taking my back out of the garbage and not just like putting it in a book, but putting it like on my wall really big. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, that... I'm wondering, I know, I'm speaking totally from my own experience here. Like, I've done so much healing around my own body image and like being comfortable with myself through like the support of my husband Mm -hmm. like being like this is why I'm not worthy of love and like him kind of being like okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's nothing like I still love you I'm wondering like how it's been in your relationship yeah so um so I got remarried for those who don't know I was at the wedding it was so beautiful yeah um so, yeah, that's been a really um, special, precious part of my healing. Um, I'll just back um, tr- tr- uh, rack a bit. When I 
when I was at the NSA, yeah. <laughs> right? So um, that was when I was finally like cracked open and I was more ready to hear things and to really internalize it. And I got to a point where I realized that my thinking was really getting in the way of how I showed up. I would right away make judgments about people and like that they were too snobby or too cool for me and that I can't go and talk to them. So I decided to challenge that and go up to those um, people and talk um, to them. And a lot of those you know, people I actually really am still f f f friends with today. And, and they were the nicest, most great, you know, people out there. Um, but then just How noticing, yeah, just noticing that like, not everything I think is true. Um, That's such a big one. Yeah, it's a huge one. And then also noticing that for the first time, I like, I, I, I guess I was just so ready, like so, so raw and open that for the first time, I, I had this like click that I was waiting for for years, except I thought the click would be that my stutter would be healed and fixed. Instead, the click was, if I stutter, cool beans. If I don't stutter, cool beans. That's what my click was. Yeah. And I got to a point where I was like, I accept it. Like I have a stutter. It most probably won't go away and I don't need it to go away. And so powerful. Yeah, and I just remember coming back like on this high of like, I can breathe now. Like, I, like I'm okay, guys. Like, I'm fine. Just yeah, so that's, that's okay. Right, and that's okay. Like, really. Yeah. Um, and I just remember like feeling so much more, again, alive and powerful. I think those are the feelings in my body that just kind of like signaled to me that you know that it's a yes. And and I remember right after I was like in this high, I got um. Someone reached out to me and asked if I would share my ex experience as a person who stutters um, at a university. And right away I said, yes, even though I was so scared, I didn't know what I would do and how I would show up. And I remember going there, speaking for like over an hour and being on fire. It was the first time I ever spoke without a cigarette, without um, practicing it for hours and weeks. and you know, feeling anxious and nervous and I just showed up as myself and I was just honest and and it was so healing and so empowering to be able to share my story with my stutter and and just to be seen. It was so like delicious, really. And leaving on like this high knowing that I want more of this. Like I want to be seen. I want to use my voice. I want to feel myself. And once you like confront your shame it almost feels impossible like why the hell would I live the other way right. it's like why would I spend my whole life hiding yeah and I think we need to highlight the point that you made about your big revelation was your big fix was <laughs> self-acceptance because I think it's always like that we can spend our entire lives thinking when I get a promotion, I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. When I'm married, I'll be happy. When I have kids, I'll be happy. No, when my kids grow up, I'll be happy. We can push off our happiness our entire lives, or we can just accept ourselves right here, right now, in the messy middle. We're not perfect, yeah. and that's okay. <laughs> and that's your Instagram handle, and that's yeah. okay.
and it has a special place in my heart because my mom always said that to us growing up we would be like I hate you like as teenagers and she'd be like and that's okay yeah yeah it, it really is and I think for so long I tried to perfect my way f- 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 to a real life I thought I would be more lovable that way um, and just like a better person but, but, but like really it's the opposite it's just oh, like it's scary to give up our shame because we so think scary. this so is scary. what's motivating me to be a better person and if I don't shame myself I'm gonna let myself go I hear that yeah. all the time with patients but if I'm not harsh on myself I'm gonna let myself go and I'm not gonna get anything done and it's like what if you could self-parent with love yeah yeah that's that's like really big learnings I actually had like a really deeply therapeutic therapeutic like powerful experience on that unfortunately i can't share it yet because i'm so like marinating in it and and there's a lot there but yes like there is so much on being able to parent yourself and being able to give you know yourself everything that that you need like it's you know it's all there it's all in our bodies boundaries right of course just like you would never say to a kid i love you you can do whatever you want right that would be wildly unhealthy you need a father yeah you know in 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 a you to be able to balance that. Yeah, the male but energy. Mother is just uncon- unconditional love, and father saying like, "Yes, you messed up, and you have to fix that or whatever." Yeah, it's but, like, okay that you but, messed up, but you're. But still what are you lovable. gonna do about it? Right. You're still lovable. Exactly. How are you gonna fix this? You don't need a. I think when we feel so much shame, we don't have the capacity to like say I'm sorry or like make up. Like, yeah. we're not perfect. We're going to mess up. Yeah. If we feel so much shame, we're going to avoid, like, saying, like, hey, I'm sorry I messed up. Yeah. Because we can't deal with it. We can't sit with it. Yeah, I have a really good story to share about this. I've been, like, really uncomfortable with, like, certain feelings that I have. One of them is the jealousy. And, like, this happened, like, really recently, actually. I was with a friend of mine, and they were doing something that I was just like in awe of and I was like noticing that and I went up to her and I mean like you know I'm first I was like sitting in it and just noticing how I was feeling and finally we like get talking and I and I just like told her um, right out I said I'm so jealous of you I'm jealous of your dot 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 and that was it and she was like, oh, okay. And she was able to hold it for me and I was able to just share that. So powerful. And I felt so f- 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 reacted to that, knowing that like, I told it to her and that jealousy isn't a bad thing. Jealousy it, is it, a it, normal information. human emotion. Yeah. It's information. It told me, this is what I care about. This is what fascinates me. This is what I want more of. Awesome. Or this Follow is that. an area that I feel a scarcity in. Right. And like, how can or I support sure myself? Yeah. yeah, how can I support myself in that area? But it's information, and if I couldn't Absolutely. hold that, then I can't hold, you know, the opposite of that. Being in my own power, if I can't hold that, sometimes I don't feel that way. Yeah. And I felt so good about that move. Like I said it. Like I didn't, because if not, I I knew that it could have been come a whole like you know tension and thing that that she felt that yeah. I felt, and it was. And now it's like it's not a thing anymore. Yeah, it's like we're I'm not celebrating that she could do that and that's okay. You know? If we're not comfortable with our feelings, we project it onto other people mm-hmm. and we say, I can't stand you. Yeah. We're like, I I love you. I'm jealous. Yeah. Like, 
is there room for that in our relationship? Yeah. So I guess circle back to my I'm a husband. Um, so I met him like right after going to the NSA. So I was on this little like a real high of like you know being open and honest and sharing. Um, and and I met him and and I was really nervous because he was actually the first person that I dated after I got divorced. Wow. Um, yeah, but I think yeah, like ugh, there's like so much here. I don't know where to begin. Talk about the salsa class. The salsa. Okay. So on our I love that stuff. Yeah. So it was at the end, like towards the end of our like first date. Um, and he asked me, he's like, Do you wanna like go to salsa in you know a day or two? Um, like, you know, I'm gonna take take a salsa class. And it was like, ooh, salsa with you? I don't know you, what? And I told him, yes, and I'm so nervous. Yeah. And again, it's just this like, yes, and, you know, like, yes, I want to, but yes, I'm also so nervous about it. And just being able to hold that for myself. Accepting that. And to let, you know, him know. Yeah, it was like so, again, it's these like little choices and these little moments of how, like, I felt it coming up in my body. I felt this like excitement and also like, shy and like nervous and anxiety and shame and I just said that as well like I you're never going to be a hundred percent ready it's about accepting the part of you that is ready mm -hmm. and the part of you that isn't ready making yeah. space for both of them yeah and just being okay with like I think for me the biggest part of like all of this is learning to be okay with like not being perfect and not showing up as the best as like the most or the the, the no thus just like you are. That's yeah. and like you know, it's okay a to a human being, not yeah, a human, human doing. Being, exactly. You're just being yourself. Yeah, and that's it's really hard for me. You know, and I guess having a stutter kind of like puts me back in my place, like almost every moment. You know, like you are not in control. A role you are in control of how you see things and how you f and, and how you choose to show up, but like. Ultimately, the outcome isn't yours, and that you're just a vulnerable human being like everyone else. What a powerful reframing that. of what a stutter is. Yeah, it's like a very reminder. I don't know what type of reminder, but it's, well, it's, it's things a reminder. are out of my control, and I have to constantly work to be okay with that. Yeah, but because that's what we're all doing. Yeah, but I want to also say though that like as much as I've accepted it. I still really struggle with it a lot, yeah. and it's still it like tr like it, it still really um, um, could tr trigger like my really like deepest parts of my insecurities and like that I'm not enough and that I'm you know not enough. That's like my deepest vulnerability here. Yeah, um, um, that makes sense. Our deepest vulnerability is often our like pathway to like self-acceptance and like we have to lean into it but you're never healed and like that's it I'm no not insecure anymore and every day is amazing right it's a constant practice towards turning towards ourselves with kindness and compassion and curiosity as opposed to shame yeah and just like really like being able to notice like these subtle sensations that come up because you know a lot of times I'm really nervous and I feel it bubbling, but also like simultaneously, it's also like excitement. And it's also like, 
you know, getting ready for something and being able to like feel that and hold both and just like sit in each one and just to give room for, you know, all of it has been so, um, ah, that age. <laughs> Helpful. I want to, because we're almost at the end of our time and I think it's a really powerful um, place to just, what are your tips for when people encounter someone who is struggling with a stutter? I think people don't have like any psychoeducation about how to be kind, how to mm -hmm. show kindness and compassion in that space. And if we could help people be a little bit kinder, what would that look like? Um, great question. Mm -hmm. I think firstly, just to not interrupt and let them finish their uh, sentence or, or words. Like we know exactly what we want to say. It just takes a couple more minutes um, to maintain eye, eye contact. Um, even though pe um, people that that are at times might look away or shut their eyes, it's usually really out of shame or fear or like, oh my gosh, you know, here I am again doing this. But for you to be able to hold that is is like nice, and it feels like okay, you know, you're you're s s okay with it, um, and not to think. I don't know if this is you know like asking for too much, but. Not to think that we're less than or that or we're not as capable or smart or whatever it is because our words don't come out as smoothly. Um, yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your honesty, your rawness, your vulnerability. And I have to say, this is our third time attempting, and it was <laughs> definitely our best time. This went Yay! so well. Thank you so much for coming on Thank today. Thank you, Esther. And. We'll see you guys next week.